What is up, my friends? Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Coworking Weekly Show. As always, I'm your loyal and faithful host, Alex Hillman, and today's episode is very, very, very special. We've got a lot to talk about, not just talk about, but to celebrate. In fact, that's what a big part of today's episode is about is celebration, but maybe not in the way you think about it. Today, the day that we recorded this episode, although you may not be listening to it on the exact same day, in fact, by virtue of podcasts, there's a very slim chance that you're listening to this on the exact same day that we recorded it, but the day we recorded this episode was Indy Hall's ninth birthday, ninth anniversary. I've been at this for nine freaking years, and that blows my mind every day. But what we're really going to be talking about today is about using these milestones as an opportunity not just to reflect on the past, although that's very, very important, but to consider planning huge changes for the future. And for those of you who have been following along on my blog, DangerouslyAwesome.com, you may have noticed that a big part of why I haven't put out a new episode of the show since May or so is because we've been dealing with some pretty difficult stuff at Indy Hall. What I want to tell you is this is actually an exploration of how I've been thinking about all of the the behind-the-scenes work that I've had to do to navigate one of the biggest challenges that Indie Hall has ever faced in its nine-year history and one that's going to define its future very likely for the next decade or longer. This is a really, really exciting episode for me to share, one that's been tough for me to get all of the ideas out, so I hope that you spend some time with it. And more than anything, I hope that you find it valuable. I hope you find it actionable. I hope that when you're facing something big and scary in front of you, whether it's in your co-working space, in your traditional workplace, or any sort of challenge that you're facing within a community of people, that there's things in here that can inspire you to take a different approach. And with that, let's get on with the show. Alex Hillman, last week was your birthday. Yeah. Uh, It was Wednesday. Your birthday was last Wednesday. Last Wednesday. Tell me about your birthday. My birthdays are, uh, well, I mean, I guess, so first of all, like I'm in my 30s, and I think some of the the celebration (laughs) goes out of, this is not like me like throwing a pity party or anything like that, but like. It's just, I'm not. It's not a milestone birthday. Okay. So, so I wasn't like not looking forward to it, but it wasn't like a big deal for me. It's more ordinary. It's just kind of like, oh, this is an inevitable thing. Yeah, and it's not necessarily... yeah. I mean, other people are more interested in celebrating my birthday than I am, which I'm appreciative of. But like, I mean, you put together that awesome. Uh, collection of audio thank you notes from Indie Hall members, which was really special. Yeah. Um, Patterson did this amazing food and mural journey through West Philly uh, a couple days later on Saturday. Yeah. So, like, the people in my life know what I value. They know that I value experiences and the things that I got for my birthday that made it a, a special day were exactly that. The flip side of that is... As you said, my birthday fell on a Wednesday. And yep. right now, Wednesdays are another kind of special day. <laughs> All right, for, for anybody who's listening, special in this case is a euphemism for incredibly difficult and exhausting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so when we got back from Africa, I took a big, hard look at my schedule and all the things I needed to do and all the things that I'm working on and realized that uh, part of the reason I was 
a little burnt out before we went to Africa was because I didn't feel like I was in control. Yeah. I think that's a big component of burnout for me is when everything is going on and I'm just doing everything in my power to get the work done, but there's no design, there's no structure, there's no process. I'm just doing the work. And it, it, and you, you're just reacting to things. It's, yeah. a, it's like a, a storm of only responding to things that are happening instead of being prepared for things that are happening. Which is my least favorite way to do work Yeah, in, in general. Whoa, what's that? Oh... Uh, uh, that's an armed. Uh, that's a. Uh, yeah, that's a, it's a Dunbar truck. It's, a, it's the it's money a truck. Armored truck. Yeah, that's cool. Um, uh, we're we're having a really interesting time finding a quiet place in Philadelphia. Well, I it's part of why I love Philadelphia. But getting back <laughs> to my point, um, I, so realizing that I needed to, even if it was purely psychosomatic, purely invented, I needed to invent a little bit of structure in my life to get some unstructured things done. The okay. first thing I did was take all the projects, in this case businesses, that I'm working on and give them certain blocks of time that I gave myself the liberty to sort of alter them as needed. But by default, during this period of time, so three hours in the morning or three hours in the afternoon, on a Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, or Friday, I already know what I'm working on. Sure. It removes that, well, what do I work on now Component that lets me sort of feel out of control, but the I didn't mention Wednesdays in that schedule because the other thing that I did for myself and to myself uh, was <laughs> quarantining or at least attempting to quarantine all of my meetings to Wednesdays. Yeah, and this is not this is not a long term thing. I'm going to try this. It's been a month now, and so far so good. Um, and and I'm going to do it at least through September while I'm working on a couple of very specific deadlines because it will help me meet those deadlines. But I do everything in my power to avoid putting a meeting on a day of the week that is not a Wednesday. Sure. Which is hard. Yes. And it takes some uh, courage for me to ask people to potentially alter their schedules more for me. But I'm, I, I've been saying, quite frankly, there's a reason I'm doing this. It's not a forever thing, but the easiest way for us to get together in the near future is for it to be on a Wednesday and here's yeah. some times that are available coming up and people have been really cool about it some people have even said hey that's a good idea I wish I could do that or, or I maybe last that. week somebody said oh for your birthday of course well so this is of course where I'll move this meeting it comes back to my birthday <laughs> uh, my birthday fell on a Wednesday and I did a initially started trying to avoid putting meetings on that day but there's yeah. a lot going on and things near the end of the month, and this week is leading into a holiday weekend. Yeah. So I was like, Alex, if you really want to get shit done, you might have to do some work on your birthday. And so I did a lot of work on my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> that was a really long way of saying what my birthday was like. I did, like I said, I did have some great experiences, uh, but uh, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, it was a day to get some important stuff done. Yeah. Uh, and maybe the fact that it was peppered with, hey, happy birthday from a bunch of people, you know, throughout my day. Maybe that made Andy it a little Hall, better. Made it a little better. And Grease you know, the wheels. One of the meetings I went to was with some folks from City Hall, and it was, that, that was a fun group of people I don't get to hang out with often. And, yeah. and they didn't know it was my birthday until day of. They saw it on Facebook, and they were like, we didn't know we were meeting on your birthday. And I was like, yeah, I figured you guys would throw me a party. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's interesting that you say that because I think people have... This this um, 
regard for birthdays as this really important thing. Yeah. And and like you said, this birthday for you was not one of the big ones, right? Yeah. It wasn't one of the ones that is a cause for a huge celebration. It's just more of a, okay, this is the next stepping stone to, <laughs> I guess, the next big ones. It's just another day, really. Yep. Um, but people have this special regard for birthdays. And sometimes birthdays aren't for the person who's having the birthday. Ooh, that's a good point. And uh, the community at Indy Hall was all very excited to have a reason to do something special for someone else, right? Uh, to have a, a cause for celebration, an occasion uh, for something different, something special. Even though it wasn't our birthday, it was yours. That's funny. It's like, I, I, I even uh, historically, and I've thrown some truly epic parties for my <laughs> own birthday, and I'm, I'm not ashamed to admit that. But my style of throwing a party always takes me out of the center of attention. Yeah. Like, my best time is when I've created an environment where everyone else is having time. Everybody else's good time is my good time. Yeah. Uh, actually, uh, this is a, a little-known fact. Uh, in, in college, where I learned some of my uh, most premium party organizing skills, uh, <laughs> I had a nickname, and that nickname was Taj. And that's a long story we don't need to get into today. Taj. T-A-J. Like the Taj Mahal. Yeah, okay. Um, and a lot of people knew me exclusively as Taj. Did not know my name was Alex, <laughs> which is weird. Uh, and when they knew I was throwing a party, they knew Taj was throwing a party. And so when word spreads across Drexel University's campus, which, by the way, is a... You know, a lot of international students on campus, I'm just not one of them, and... They come to a party looking for Taj, which this... Oh, God, white, they find you. This white nerdy dude doesn't look like a Taj. <laughs> and so I literally had somebody walk up to me on more than one occasion and say, Hey, have you seen Taj? And I look at them and square in the eyes and say, Yeah, I think he went that way. Oh, wow. It was sort of the sneaky little thing. And I, I'm, not, I'm not a proponent of lying at all. But it was a sneaky little thing that let me play a different role at my own party. Is Taj your Tyler Durden? Uh, I think for some people, Taj was my Tyler Durden. Yeah, yeah. right, right, yeah. right. Like, so maybe maybe you really thought Taj was somewhere else right now. <laughs> Where is Taj? Um, but yeah, I, I think the point of that, that whole story is that yeah, my, my default operating mode is... Uh, when throwing a party in particular, I'm having the most fun when I know that everyone else is having the most fun they've ever had. And there's a there's a reason why I wanted to talk about birthdays, not just your birthday. Oh, I thought we were just talking about my birthday. Oh, we, that's a different podcast. Oh, okay. it's called Alex's Birthday Podcast. It happens literally one time a year. Mm. Uh, How is that doing in iTunes? Not great. Oh. Not great. Uh, but birthdays in general, birthdays are interesting. Because you celebrated your birthday last week, Indy Hall is celebrating celebrating a birthday right now. Yeah, that's uh, that's actually the funny thing. We're sitting here uh, recording, and today, September first, two thousand fifteen, uh, we've marked September first as Indy Hall's birthday, and this technically makes it nine Indie years. Hall's ninth birthday. Nine years. And what's interesting about birthdays is, like you mentioned early on. You know, sometimes they're just a thing that happens, 
right? It's you can just count. It's it's not even a celebration so much as it's a measurement, yeah. right? And how much do you just celebrate a measurement? But what does it measure? Right. Or we're still alive, <laughs> which is the most basic. It's something to be congratulated for. Well, that's but just it, it is the most basic requirement. <laughs> Of for a anything. celebration. Congrats, you still exist. You're still alive. And I'll tell you what, I mean, the first, our first year anniversary, we threw a big party uh, over at Triumph Brewing Company in the upstairs. Yeah. We loaded up with sponsors. We had the most ridiculous open bar and all this food. I threw a rager. It was awesome. Amazing photos. There are some photos on the internet. There are photos we've taken off the internet yeah. from that party. It was an excellent party. But I, and we've had some excellent milestone parties since then. But, uh, you know, I, I've definitely gone from, you know, August being a time to think about how do we outdo ourselves from last year to, well, there's probably something really important to be working on that will not just celebrate on this day, but will carry us forward through the other 364 days out of the year. Yeah. And, you know, I think that is the crux of us talking right now. Okay. Here, here is the crux. It is in the form of a question. Yes. If birthdays, your annual, hey, you're alive right now, you're still alive, congratulations. If birthdays become inevitable, and it's really just a measurement of how long you've existed, how do you find a way to celebrate things that are more meaningful? Okay. Like um, a change in your organization that doesn't just happen every year uh, or uh, growth in other ways. New people who are joining Indie Hall, celebrating them, new directions for Indie Hall, new opportunities. Um, there are so many things that do not happen at a regular schedule, but absolutely deserve the occasion of, of a birthday, per se. Well, you said two things that I think are worth digging into because they're both, they're different, like, different orders of magnitude there's the new member comes in which you know for us is often as often as every day yeah whether people are coming in for a tour people are joining we added 20 plus members in july which is is worth celebrating and right. the summer is crazy yeah uh that's 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 extremely unusual for us and thinking about you know what what does a new person experience on a given day, in their first weeks and month, months maybe, yeah. what do they experience so that they don't have to wait a year for there to be a major milestone to celebrate, to feel a part of it, yeah. to, uh, to sort of realize what it is that you've walked into? Um, and I'm just like, what, what, are, what, are, what are some of the things that we do? I, I'm like down to like the tour... I think is is sort of where everything begins often but I mean what what kinds of things come to mind for you when, when we're talking about new member interactions and celebrating or even celebrating new members coming in yeah you know I like to greet people by telling them about the history of a place maybe not too much so it's um, me just droning on about the things but that it's we've some done context before. they but can it's feel some context. like they can feel like they're a part of a story in motion. That's exactly right. And the important part is explaining where the story has been, what they're walking into, and then leaving them with the the notion that you're here now, so now you contribute to the story. Right. And there are a lot of things that we haven't done yet, that maybe I haven't thought of yet, 
that you can bring to the table that are worthy of celebration and will cause us to grow. And here are some of the things that we've celebrated in the past. Those things are birthdays. Hey, we're nine years old. How crazy is that? Isn't it exciting to be a part of this old, uh, this long-running club of people who like one another? Or something like uh, companies that have grown to a size at Indy Hall, and we've said goodbye to them as they leave for their own individual office or studio or what have you in the neighborhood. That's a huge celebration, too. So those are some of the things. Those are just two things. I even think of smaller scale stuff like the fact that it has been an interesting pattern and that we don't exactly know why, but a, if you were to join Indy Hall in the last six to eight weeks yeah. and look at all the new member introductions that have been posted to Group Buzz, it would look like Indy Hall is mostly writers and yeah. a private investigator. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've had a lot of writers and different kinds of writers, journalists, freelance writers, creative writers, poets, join Indy Hall in the last... Eight, six to eight weeks yeah and to a new member joining it looks like this is a community of writers which is not accurate it's not entirely false but it's not what everybody it's is it's not comprehensive well, comprehensive thank you um, but what was cool was uh, when uh, new member Anna noticed that there were other writers like herself mm-hmm her way of creating a little celebration of that was let's do a writer's happy hour Mm -hmm. and just get together and talk about the kinds of writing we do and the things that we've learned to get good at it and the challenges of being a writer and how we make money and and all those things and and um i think even noticing those little things as celebrations of of uh sort of growth in a, a a segment yeah. of the community. The birthday is great because everybody can participate. Right. And frankly, anybody could walk into the writer's happy hour just the same. But uh, sort of those those tighter knit... What is that squirrel doing? I think he wants my iPhone. <laughs> um, those tighter knit groups, uh, I, I think that's that's just another level of celebration that happens on a, on a daily basis. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm glad you bring that up because that is... I guess compared to a a once a year celebration, a small quote unquote milestone. But it's an incredibly important milestone because it's something that means that our community of people is more diverse. Yeah. And if you were to join Indie Hall nine years ago, uh, it would have mostly been a lot of people who are developers. It would have been a lot of people who are just white dudes. Right, And that's cool. It, it was a group of people that it was for the time, and it welcomed those people. But the fact that we have this continuum of a community that has grown in so many different ways of more women, more people of color, more writers, more lawyers, uh, more everything, different everything. Those are all people who can help one another. And what an awesome community that's diverse and yeah. different. And those little uh, points of growth are hard to recognize as they happen, but they're worthy of celebration. Those are milestones. Yeah. And I would argue, maybe milestones that are more significant than you're still alive. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, of course, staying alive is important, but it is, again, the base requirement. Crit- critical baseline. That should not be the only time that we're sort of recognizing uh, uh, components of who we are. Well, I'll pose this question. If, if you can 
find milestones that have happened and celebrate them, right? What about anticipating them? What about planning for them? Mm. What about saying, these are the things that I want to happen, the things that I would like to create as a milestone, and we can work toward it as a goal. Do you think it works where you can future plan for those things? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that ties back to a big part of why I've put this semi-rigid structure around my schedule and I'm quarantining meetings to Wednesday and things like that. Um, for folks that have been following along on my blog on dangerouslyawesome.com, uh, you might have read about some of the uh, interesting challenges that we've been facing since May or so. Uh, a big part of the reason why we haven't published this podcast because, uh, frankly, been a really, busy. really focused on planning for the future. Yeah. Uh, there's lots to read, uh, and so I won't r- repeat myself, repeat myself, repeat myself, but to give you just sort of a snapshot of what's going on, uh, found out uh, in the top of May that we were about to face a very significant rent increase. Yep. Uh, in, in the order of uh, like 70%, which is a big, big number. Uh, and that it was going to happen when our lease cycled about 30 days from that, that time period. Right. So uh, as one might do, I got that nose, uh, got that note and shit a brick. <laughs> I, in fact, we were, I was sitting on this bench when you told me about this. And I don't think I spoke for a little while. Yeah. Because I had nothing to say yet. Yeah. Yeah. So so before I brought the news to you and to Sam, and, and uh, I, I had to take some time to digest it and figure out, how is there a way that I can share this with other people that will be less shocking than it was to me? Not yeah. to uh, make the situation smaller than it really is, but to sort of guide someone through the process that I had to figure out how to go through on my own to deal with a change that wasn't just a change, but a change that was being done to us. Yeah. A change being inflicted upon us in a way. Uh, The sort of next stage of the story was that that rent increase was followed by uh, the the following year, so the 20... September of 2015, today effectively, through the next 12 months after that, uh, all of our lease agreements were up for renewal and that they were urging us very strongly to consider buying uh, our building at a rate that simply doesn't make sense. Happy birthday! <laughs> <laughs> or uh, that they would be raising rents to what they believe was market rate, which my research since shows is crazy pants. So I had to take a look at a situation where uh, I'm not in control and someone else is and is giving me a piece of information that's going to change the course of my future and not just my future and not just my business's future but the future of in this case literally hundreds of people yeah and 300 and counting active members not to mention the people who are former members and very much a part of the family. Yeah, and the businesses that have spun out of Indy Hall and yeah. stayed in the neighborhood, and the businesses that we shop at, and, um, you know, the cafes and the bars, all the places that we frequent. Um, not that, you know, us going away would put them out of business, but I, I'm fairly certain there would be a noticeable dent in their bottom line when 
what I've come to learn is, you know, a, a couple hundred people full-time equivalent leave a neighborhood like ours. That's a big, that's a big deal. Yeah. So when I got done uh, crapping my pants. <laughs> <laughs> I took a shower. I took a shower, cleaned myself up, and I said, get a hold of yourself. Um, I, I had to, I had to uh, really think about what, what was going on, what this meant, uh, what, not just what this meant to me, what this meant to the business, what this would mean to quite literally hundreds of people. Was I able to anticipate, based on what I know about our community, how people would think and feel, uh, and came to the conclusion a lot of areas that the answer is no. Yeah. Uh, and, and all I could really focus on was getting myself to a place of, of sort of comfort in the situation and a little bit of zen, if you will. Uh, I, I realized that, and it's sort of my default operating mode, and, and it's not an easy thing to do in crisis, but if you put out positivity and optimism, that's precisely what you get back. Yeah. You, not in control of what positivity and what optimism, but a general attitude. If you put it out, that's what you get back. That's my life experience uh, in everything I do, all the work that I do uh, with other people. And so if I am freaking out and I put that out there, all that's going to do is incite panic. Mm -hmm. If I hide it from other people, it's going to tear me apart that was actually the biggest problem right up front the first 30 days that i got this notice uh that we were going to have to deal with a pretty significant change mm -hmm. i had a little bit of negotiating to do and i really 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 wanted to go to the community with the news and even ideally go completely like publish it on a public site on the yeah. on my blog uh here's what's going down um, but I didn't want to screw up the negotiation. And I wasn't sure that the negotiation could be screwed up, yeah. but I didn't want to load another variable into a situation where I didn't have something under control. So I, I waited about 30 days of negotiation to get a new set of uh, slightly less painful lease terms that basically bought us three additional months at our current lease rate to figure out a plan yeah. and then have a plan to move forward. Um, I wanted to come to the community with that bit of certainty instead of complete world of chaos. Yeah. Hoping to instill a little bit of trust, you know, to sort of double down on the, any trust that I've earned so far and say, look, I wanted to come to the community with this sooner, but I had to get this thing in order so that we could be stable at least for the next three months to figure out where we're going to go from there. Yep. Now that it's stable, I have to get the community involved and that's that's a pickle because if you were to respond to the scenario as it came up the fact that you discovered this information about our rent increase and changes that would have to happen if your immediate response was to share all of that without knowing possible paths or avenues for a solution straight mad max crazy yeah. you, you create a wasteland of people who are optimistic and too ambitious who are uh uh, ambitious and terrified of of every possible response from anyone, yeah. uh, which means it's really difficult to actually carve a course. Yeah, right. So I I spent some time really thinking hard about what role am I going to play in this, and yeah. I also thought about watching other communities go through you know similarly painful transitions 
where the community didn't find out or they didn't find out until too late yeah or where uh, they I mean in the same way that this was being done to us the change was being done to the community members themselves these are these are things that we've seen here in Philadelphia in the past few months yes that's of other communities that have reacted to this kind of situation yeah in a pretty terrifying and awful way. Yeah, in a way that, that uh, I mean, when they get, you know, backlash and either they feign surprise or they're legitimately surprised, I, I, I wonder, well, what did you think was going to happen? Sure. Did you run out any potential scenarios for when you say these words, this is how certain people are going to react? And what is that going to do for you? Yeah. Is that going to take you to a better place? Or a worse place. Yeah. Um, and so, but at very least, we know that we have that as an example for something that we can't do because we owe one another a lot more than that. Yeah, yeah. So I, I thought long and hard about there, there's a difficult balance, sort of a tightrope walk of telling the community this is exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. And for some people, that's precisely what they want to hear. Um, or at least they think that's precisely what they want to hear. But if it doesn't perfectly match what they want, what they expect, what they hope, they feel slighted. And especially in something where people are like a community where people, their contributions have been such a huge part, if not the biggest part of getting us to this point so far, for someone to say, or to even feel like they've been slighted by a choice in a direction without even being asked. It's not that I need to react to what their desire is. It's that I didn't even bother to ask them at all. Yeah. What do you care about would be a huge, huge, tremendous problem. The flip side of that is if you leave it wide open, you know, wide open uh, uh, fields, blue skies, this can be anything, uh, you you also incite panic in an entirely different way. So how do I find the, the happy middle ground between those two things? And that was really my goal. Yeah, I, I was thinking about this and thinking about, okay, how, how, how do you define this? How do you use a phrase to define what it is that we're looking for? And it seems like it's, it's a sense of reasonable urgency, right? Like somehow maintaining a little bit of logic, keeping your head on your shoulders, and creating time and space to talk to people and ask questions uh, while making sure that everyone knows this is very important. Yeah. But reasonable urgency is not the same thing as panic. That's true. That's true. And, and I think that's a good way of defining what we're working on. This is a relatively short-term and a medium-term uh, situation. There's yeah. a lot of work to do, both in, in the most recent case, in a three-month window, and now in a 12-month window, and, and beyond. Um, so step one, for me, was defining the facts. These are facts, not opinions, facts, not interpretations, facts, not hopes and wishes. Mm -hmm. This is precisely what is happening. Mm -hmm. This is what I know. And I took a, a little note from uh, our, our friends. At, there's this news startup here in Philadelphia called Billy Penn mm -hmm. that uh, is just a year old, maybe less than a year old even. Uh, I think so. And have been doing very, very interesting work. 
in in the world of sort of local journalism. Yeah, shout out to Chris Cruson. Yeah, for, and uh, and Shannon and, and Shannon uh, and Shannon Shannon the, Wink. Shannon Wink. Shannon Wink. Uh, uh, Shannon was recently married to our longtime enemy and best friend Chris Wink. <laughs> uh, so Shannon Wink sounds funny when yes. it. Yes, I'm not sure up. if she took his last name. Do you know that? <laughs> I believe so. Oh, did she? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Shannon, please respond. Yes. Um, but <laughs> we digress. Billy Penn. I think, had a defining moment, in fact, during a tragedy. Yeah. And I by no means want to compare our current situation to a legitimate tragedy because people died and were seriously injured. But the Amtrak crash uh, just north of downtown Philadelphia, that was back in the spring, right? Yeah. Um, Was horrific. Yeah. And very close to home, both physically and in the fact that, like, I've ridden that train. I've ridden that precise scheduled train. So that was very strange. Billy Penn did a brilliant thing in covering this story. People were scrambling for news. There was all kinds of information everywhere, all kinds of speculation, all kinds of chaos surrounding an already chaotic situation, making it worse, as the news tends to do. Yep. Billy Penn took a different take. They published a sort of overview of all the things that they were writing as it was coming out, and it was a bullet point list of facts. And it didn't just include the things they knew, it included the things that they didn't know. Mm -hmm. They anticipated the questions that people were going to have about the tragedy, about how it was being handled, and said, these are things we don't know, or we sort of know, or we're looking for more information on. And it rounded out the story in a very, very particular way. And so the first piece of information that I wanted to share with the community, which I did first to our internal discussion list, and then a couple days later publicly on on my own site. Right, so taking that approach and applying it to Indy Hall's scenario. Fact, this is what we know. Also, this is what we don't know, but we need to figure out. Yeah. And that second part was so crucial. I, I was so thankful for that inspiration and that it worked as well as it did because it invited a very, very specific kind of conversation to follow. Yeah. I had people coming up to me from moments after I hit publish saying a range of things to me. First and foremost, wow, I'm sorry. Like, remember, nobody's died here. But, like, a genuine condolence, like, hey, dude, that's a shitty situation. Right. Thank you for letting us know that it's going on. I feel for you. Yeah. Just, like, like uh, 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 catharsis. Yeah. Right? Um, so there was a good amount of that, both from within the community and, and outside. Uh, wow, crappy situation. If anything I can do to help, let me know. Right. Doors open. That's a beautiful thing, right? Second kind of conversation that happens very specific tactical ideas both to solve problems that I've clearly defined with specifics also to solve problems that we haven't clearly defined those are two very different categories and I sort of in my head made it my job to hear all of them of course and parse them into those two categories but keep that for myself I didn't need to tell somebody well that'll be useful when we have this figured out I just said that's a really good idea really interesting idea I really appreciate that you're putting thought into this I'm going to add this to my notes yeah. we're going to come back to this is it cool if when we're ready to talk about this a little bit more I come back to you and the answer was always yes yeah um, 
those two categories alone, the solidarity, I'm with you, anything you need, even if it's just to talk, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the, I have ideas and I'm willing to help. And I guess the third category is, is I, and this may be the most important, uh, that, that you wouldn't know to ask for, but once you've gotten it, you realize how important it is, is I trust you to lead us in the right direction. And I think a lot of that trust comes from the way that you positioned the information that you have and don't have. And not to mention years of knowing one another and doing things in a similar style, but in this scenario, I think trust comes from being able to understand and recognize that someone is giving you as much as they can and leaving space open for you to help. What you just said, I think, was was really interesting, and it was that uh, uh, this is not terribly different from the way that I normally operate. No. Uh, this is just bigger, more complicated, more moving parts, and I'm a... I'm, I think the most important quality that a person can exude a, a, a bar to live up to is one of authenticity a consistency of character yes and what when i say authenticity i it sort of situationally means a slightly different thing but at the core uh, i usually say it's your actions match your words yeah the things you do match the things you say in this particular case i'm talking about a longer arc of authenticity where the way you act and the way you speak are consistent regardless of whether or not things are going well yeah. or things are going horribly, horribly wrong. Mm -hmm. I think this is a test of anyone's character, of anyone's leadership skills, and 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 also in collaboration. This is a root at the root of where so many collaborations fall apart. Is nobody thought about how they were going to act towards a collaborator. Uh, or nobody thought about how they were going to be acted towards from a collaborator when everything goes to shit. Yeah. It's easy to dream how awesome it's going to be to work together, but when something inevitably goes wrong, how are you going to act? Is it going to be the same? Obviously, you'll need to adjust the outputs, but are you going to stay a good communicator? Yeah. Are you going to stay honest? Are you going to stay authentic? Uh, is not easy. And I will say it's 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 a mentally, emotionally, and in some cases physically draining to open up your door, metaphorically speaking in my case, we don't have private offices, <laughs> open up your door to anyone who wants to talk, anyone who wants to ask questions. Oh, that was the other category I left out. People that responded with more questions, with really good questions. Yeah. Well, what about this? I don't understand this. And when somebody asks a question, to me, that's a signal that they care. Yeah. And even if I don't have an answer yet, I'm going to put the question down as something that I need to work on getting an answer for, because odds are they're not the only one who has that question. Well, I hope you like cliffhangers because, as you can probably tell, the end of this episode is not the end of this conversation. There's an entire second part to this conversation coming very, very soon where Adam and I get even closer to the bare metal of some of the ways that I've pulled this entire process apart, how I examined an ultimatum and used it as a way to make a decision about the future instead of simply accepting 
that ultimatum for what it was at face value. So with part two on the way very, very soon, that makes now an excellent time to subscribe to the Coworking Weekly show, whether it's in iTunes, in Overcast, on CoworkingWeekly.com, wherever it is that you want to sign up, make sure that you're signed up to find out when that episode comes out first. And I look forward to seeing you again then. Thanks for listening, and I hope you have a great week.